Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hey guys, today on the show, I'm really excited to have Steve Rosenberg with us. He is uh, a lot of things, a pilot, real estate investor, business owner, coach, their uh, author. I mean, I think the list probably goes on and on, but I, I don't want to spend too much time before actually introducing you. Steve, welcome. Really glad to have you. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to talking with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I guess we can kind of start with um, your initial or your, your, your pilot career, you know, and, and how that got started. And then, you know, I would love to, to just kind of walk the listeners through your journey into real estate investing uh, eventually, but it, you know, maybe we start at the beginning where you're, where you're from and, and how you got into uh, being a pilot. Yeah. Uh, so I was born and raised in Los Angeles. And uh, as a little kid, I never wanted to do anything else except fly airplanes. I mean, I remember looking up at the sky, seeing these things flying out there, had no idea. And that's all I ever wanted to do. And that's all I ever focused on doing. And I was a very kind of go-getting type of kid. And uh, just, I did it myself. I put myself through school. Um, and I, at 25 years old, I ended up getting hired. Uh, actually, at 22, I got hired with a smaller airline called TWA. Uh, not around anymore, but. Um, and then I got hired with Continental Airlines in 1998. So I was 25 at the time. Uh, the average age to get hired normally is about 35. So I was about 10 years ahead of the curve. I just think I was the right place at the right time. I'm not smarter than anyone else. I just happened to be in, the, in a certain cycle. When did you um, start training for, for, to become a pilot? I mean, if you got hired at 22, you have, have to have a certain number of hours and everything, right? Yeah, you, you have to have a certain amount of hours. I started right out of high school. Um, I was going to junior college. And at the same time, I was getting building my hours most people, what they do is they go to school first and then they build their hours after school, like after they're graduated. Yeah. I was like, why is it an or? Why not, is it, why not an and? Like, let me just do both. And so I was growing up in Los Angeles. I was working in bars as a bouncer and I was, that's how I paid for my flying lessons. And so I'd go to school and then I'd, I would uh, fly and I was doing them concurrently. And so that's why I sped up the process is because I was doing them both at the same time. Um, because I really wanted to, to get in there and start doing it. I kind of had that growing up, I played sports and, you know, most people who play sports are very competitive. Um, and so I kind of got into this flying world and it was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go to school and then maybe I'll start flying lessons. And I was like, I'm not doing that, man. I'm, I'm full charge in this thing. Cause I just came from playing sports in high school and I played in junior college a little bit. So I just, I had that kind of aggressive mentality of just going after it, um, which it actually proved very fruitful for me in the real estate world, I'll tell you. Um, but, you know, I tell people I had the best. Uh, so I got hired with Continental in 1998. I was based in Guam, flying out of the South Pacific. And I had the best job in the world. I was, you know, flying around the world. I, was, I just got married. We were living out there. I was just, I was loving life. And I had the most safe and the most secure job that anyone could ever imagine being an airline pilot. Sure. Up until September 10th, 2001. Now, everyone knows September 11th, the tragedies that, that befell the country. And that was when I realized that my safe, secure job was not safe and was not secure. Wow. And my day of reckoning for me was September 13th. Uh, September 13th was the day that I got my furlough notice from my mm -hmm. safe and secure job. Right. And basically telling me that we don't think we need you. We're going to protect the shareholders, which is their job. I mean, as a, as a business owner, I get it. Yeah. Um, but basically 
you're a cog in a wheel and we don't need this cog right now. And we'll let you know if we ever do need you, but right now you're going to be on the street. And not only are you going to be on the street, but you're going to be on the street with 50,000 other pilots. And what was, what was very eye-opening to me was, first of all, obviously it had nothing to do with anything I did. Um, it was a matter of 72 hours of ripping off a bandaid of, you know, you study for something your whole life. You learn, you're doing what you love. And it's not like a, um, you know, like an oil industry or other industries we know, like we can see a trend coming and you can prepare for that trend. This was 72 hours and it wasn't, you know, it was the airline saying, we don't even know if we're going to be around anymore. And for people that, you know, kind of didn't really remember that time frame, it was a very knee jerk reaction um, to the industry. And I remember the weeks following that. Now I was on the list. So there's about 1200 people on the list and the way unions goes, you know, last hired, first fired. And I, I had about a 1200 person cushion underneath me. And I remember looking to see what I could do besides fly an airplane. And it's very humbling to realize that the skill set that you learned is irrelevant to the rest of the world unless you can fly a metal tube around the sky. I'm not qualified to do anything. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I can't, like, I can't believe this is all like, I couldn't even drive a truck because I wasn't certified as a commercial truck driver. And I was like, this isn't fair. Like that, how does this happen? And then you realize life isn't fair. And this is the reality check of, of life swinging that pendulum the other way yep. saying, you know, whoever said it was fair kind of, you know? So I started just trying to figure out what I would do. And at the time I, I didn't know anything about real estate. I knew nothing about anything except flying. Cause that was all I ever wanted. And when you realize that that is not around, it's, it's a very humbling moment to realize like, what will I do? And there's, I'm sure many people with everything going on in the world right now is probably facing the same thing of saying, if this, if my industry, whether it's a restaurant or whatever the industry they may be in, if that dissolves, what do I do to actually pay my bills? Like I've got a mortgage coming next month. What do I do? Yep. So I started looking and reading about what could be done. What do people that are wealthy do? Like what, what are options for me? And after a couple months, I just realized that everything seemed to be tied in one form or another to real estate. And I never wanted to quit flying because I loved it, but I realized that I can't rely on it. And I can't be as an employee, I'm at the, I'm at the, you know, the bottom of that pendulum and I'm going to get whipped either way, depending on the mood of the company or the shareholders, or, you know, they were abrogating contracts. They were wiping out pensions. And I mean, it was, it was doom and gloom for a while. Um, so I started reading about a book a week on real estate and I just, I just engrossed myself in it kind of the same way I did with sports. And I just started realizing like, this is this whole new society that I knew nothing about. And, you know, terms like cash on cash, ROI, NOI, all these terms. And I was just like, I was like, I've got to learn this. Like, I, I felt like I was behind the curve um, because I, I was already now I'm 28 years old. Um, and I'm thinking what I've got, I've got to catch up. I'm behind. And so I just did everything I could. And I started learning as much as possible. Um, did that for about a year. And I got involved in, in wholesaling. At the time, it wasn't wholesaling, but basically option contracts. Uh, I learned how to negotiate. And what I learned really well was communicators can make the most money on the planet if you know how to communicate very well. And communication meaning salespeople or anything like that. So I really learned the art of negotiating and I learned the art of communicating. And I looked at it that way, like it was a, it was a craft that I had to learn. Now, when it comes to the airline, I never actually lost my job. I came within 30 people of the bottom 
yeah. of a 6,000 pilot seniority list. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to say that's worse because nothing's worse than losing your job. But I will tell you, it's almost worse because every time there was a hiccup in the industry, and I don't know if you remember, but we had SARS, H1N1, foot and mouth disease. We had the global recession of 2000. I mean, we, we used to joke and say like the locusts are just going to come pick up the plane and carry us off someday. And so that was almost worse because you keep waiting every day for something to happen and you can't face it. And so to me, that was almost worse. Always every day waiting for something to happen. And I thought, you know what? I've got to get control of my own destiny. Like I have to, I have to control this from the front end and not be reactionary on the back end. And that's why I started doing the real estate. I started wholesaling um, and I did very well. Uh, I did it for a couple of years. I made enough money that I got into a local investing club here in Houston um, and I bought an apartment complex and I went right in. And what's funny is the grass is greener. The people that I partnered with in the complex, they wanted to learn how I was such a good negotiator at flipping properties and wholesaling. I wanted to learn the passive income side of owning a, a multifamily. So we kind of traded. I mean, obviously I had to give some money to go into the deal, but we traded and I learned a, the systemization and the policies and procedures of property, of, of multifamily, and they got to learn how I negotiated. And so it, it was a bit of a trade. Um, and then it, it uh, my, my career kind of took off from there. I can, if you got any questions, I can answer them before I tell you the rest of my story. Cause it gets No, better. I love it. This is great. So this is when you started getting into the wholesaling, that was in Houston, Texas. Yeah, that was here in Houston. Um, uh, up until the last probably two years, everything I've done has been in Houston. Um, and I, again, I can tell you how I branched out from there, but um, yeah, everything was in Houston. And then getting into that first apartment complex, was that a big mindset shift for you? Or you were just kind of in a group of people that were buying all sort of stuff? Or what, and, and, and what kind of apartment was it? Was it, a, was it five units? Was it you know, 20 yeah, units? It, it was, you know, I wanted to get into the passive income side because, yep. you know, doing wholesaling, it's a job. Sure. And I realized it was a job and I didn't, that's not what I was reading about. That's not where I realized wealth was. I realized wealth is in leverage of assets, leverage of people, leverage of time, money. And so I realized like the only thing I'm leveraging right now is I'm being leveraged. Yes, I'm being paid very well for it. And I did very well. Um, but it, if, if I stopped working, the deal stopped coming in and I didn't like that part of it. Um, again, I still was flying full time. So I was still having a regular career as an airline pilot. And this was, this was the what if scenario and, and the backup plan. And I didn't need the money. I didn't, I didn't want the, 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 the work for money mentality. I wanted the passive income for mentality. Um, and so this was a C unit um, complex. Uh, it was in the Spring Branch area. It was a 39 or 40 unit complex. Um, and what's interesting is uh, the guy who we got into it with, he already owned it. He divested his interest because um, he had about 1,200 units, you know, uh, collectively some other places. We're still good friends today. Uh, the interesting thing about this complex is it was a conduit loan. So it, it was a non-recourse loan, but it had to go the distance, which had another three or four years on it. And the, the unit was actually landlocked between a church and a private school. And they were, they were <clears throat> regentrifying the area. So we knew going in, someone's going to buy this for the land. Like we knew it. Yeah. Because it was it was a C class. They were building they were building A A style Victorian townhomes. Yep. And so you know I had learned enough looking at trends and being educated by these other people. They're like this this is going to sell like this. We have to go the, the distance of the loan. But once this loan is up, someone's going to take this. And sure enough, about six months into the deal, the church made us an offer, um, cash, non refundable option money. 
post the, the you know, to, to wait to be closed, we had to deliver it to them empty. Um, and so we, we ran the distance with it for three years till the conduit loan was up. We delivered it to them empty. They turned it into a parking lot. And that's <laughs> the story. <laughs> wow. So they, 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 they paid for a very, very expensive parking lot because we sold it based on the numbers. We sold it based on, you know, the NOI and everything. And, um, and I, I forget the numbers now, it's so long ago, but um, it, was, it was a good deal and it was a good, it was a good start. Um, but it was also a bit of a curse because it made me think that I was smarter than I really was. Yes. And, and anyone who's been in real estate long enough knows that it will teach you a lesson very quickly. And I, and the, the subsequent years after I got schooled in the world of real estate. Um, and so it, it was the, the way the story progresses is after that we sold that complex. And of course we thought we were the smartest people on the planet. There is a, um, there's a curse of the first good deal. There real I've seen that a few times myself in different things, you know, I'll try multifamily or try land. And it's like the first one is like, Oh, well, I'll just do this 10 is of these. Easy. I mean, exactly. this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So what we ended up doing, me and one of the, the people, there was four of us in the deal, me and one of the other people in the deal, he was the lead operator for this complex. We decided we've got some cash, you know, why don't we buy some single family homes? You know, let's buy them together. Let's just see how it goes. Because the, the, the prices were going up now, just give you a reference of time. This was about 2007. So the market is starting to crash, right? So we're starting to see these deals pop up with single family. Multifamily was a little bit of a lag in Houston as far as the, the, the uh, uh, price per door. They were still holding steady high, but the houses were going down. And I was still wholesaling these houses. So I saw that I was having a, I was easily getting the sellers. I was having a hard time with the buyers getting loans. So to me, that was an indicator that there's still a supply of houses, but the, supply, the, the buyers is not as available. So we started buying some houses and my business partner um, at the time, he comes to me and he says, hey, I got this great idea. I'm like, what? He says, well, I found these houses. Um, there's tons of them here in Houston. We can get them. It's a huge market that we can, you know, there, there are tons of people and they make a lot of money on paper. That's the key word here is on paper. He said, they're low income, high cash flow houses. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, what, what, what does that mean? He says, well, we can get these houses for, you know, 50, 40, 50, $60,000 and they'll rent for 900, $1,000 a month. So the cash on cash return is very high. The returns are great. And I'm like, well, why buy one? Let's we're, we just sold an apartment complex. Let's get as many as we can. Yep. Mistake number one. <laughs> so, uh, in about a year and a half, we buy about 20 houses. Um, and then all of a sudden we start getting these phone calls from people and they start wanting things from us like maintenance, their toilets don't work. They can't pay their rent. And these people are called tenants. Now in the multifamily, we had a manager to do this. Right. Single family, we are the managers. And we're like, yes. why are these people calling? Like, I don't get it. Like, this is not the way it worked in the multifamily. And it, all of a sudden, it was like this tidal wave burst open. And we were just up to here in problems with these 20 houses. Low income houses, they're older properties. Maintenance was through the roof. We started having about an eight month average tenancy because we were doing rent specials just to get people in. So of course, when you rent to people with shitty credit, guess what happens? <laughs> There's a reason they do. Yep. So they're staying about eight months. When they leave, our make ready costs are three times the amount that we guesstimated because when they leave, they like to take parting gifts like wiring, electrical, plants, light bulbs. So we come back to the shell of a house every time and we're like, 
and we were so shocked, you know, in hindsight, looking at it, we're like, I don't believe that this didn't work. Like we gave the guy free rent for the month, no deposit, no background check. Why would he trash our house and leave? Well, you know, and so we, we realized we had a problem. And so like two male pig headed guys that think they're the smartest people, we do what anyone would do. And we buy another 15 more. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? So it's like gasoline <laughs> on the fire. This thing just explodes in our faces and we're shocked. We were like, I can't believe this didn't work. Like now we have like 40 of these things and this is worse than it was before. It got to the point that my wife said, you suck at buying houses. If you buy another one, it better be nice because you will be living in it because you are not <laughs> good at this. Like you are not good. And I'm like, and, and, and a, a lesson to people watching this is, you know, you get such tunnel vision that you think you can fix a problem because you're so buried in the weeds. And if you can pull yourself out as that CEO, um, you, you know, you can realize that we were, we were heading into right off the cliff. And um, we, we sat down and we said, okay, we have three options here. One is we can sell all the properties. We can turn them over to a management company or we can self-manage them. Those are our options. Yep. Uh, it was about 2010. No one's getting a loan. So we cannot sell these. That's not going to happen. Any investor wanted them for less than we paid for them. That wasn't going to work. We tried management companies. They basically were like, we don't want them. Like these are shitty properties. They're, they're, they're too time intensive for what we would charge you. It's not going to work. So we were left with the third option, which was he and I have to figure this out. So we sat down for about six months and we plumbed the infrastructure of a management company of what we thought a management company should do. And we said, we told ourselves, okay, this is, this is the deal. Like, this is your role. This is my role. Um, if they don't pay, that's it. They're gone. We kick out about 70% of our deadbeat tenants who let's face it, they weren't paying anyways. Sure. Um, and all of a sudden the property started to stabilize. And so we thought, okay, maybe we're onto something. And, and we got a little bit more stable and we had other people approach us and ask us, what did you do? And so we told them what we did. And they said, that's the same problem we're having. Could you manage our houses? And we're like, hell no, we don't want your problems. We barely fixed ours. Like, do you think we want yours? And then we thought about it and we thought, you know what? Maybe there's some scalability here. You know, same area. We can maybe get some benefits on pricing. So we go to a business coach. And we talked to a business coach and we laid everything on the table. We said, this is what we've done. This is where we're at. This is who we are. So he looks at it and he says, well, and we said, do we have a business here to manage properties? And he says, well, you've got opportunity, you've got scalability and you've got a market. So by definition, yes, you have a business. You two are not the smartest guys in the world and you will be bankrupt in six months if you don't know what you're doing. So we're a bit torn. Um, and of course, then we hire the guy right on the spot. So now we have a business coach. We don't even know if we have a business because he was the best closer of all. He closed us. Um, but for the next seven years, we grew that company to over a thousand single family houses under management. We operated in three different cities. We outsourced virtual assistance of 66% of our operations. Love it. Um, we, we, we had about 160 million under asset control. Um, we were one of the fastest growing single family property management companies in Texas uh, for a while. We won national awards, all that stuff. Um, and so we learned how to run it like a business. And we, we basically went to, to, you know, coaching college essentially to learn how to run our company. Um, since then, uh, last year we ended up exiting and we sold our business to a larger property management company that's national. 
Um, and then I've gone on to do a lot of education. I've spoken all over Australia, all over the United States as a keynote speaker. I do a lot of stuff with bigger pockets um, as, as a uh, uh, educator and stuff. And I, you know, the one thing I've learned is, is a lot of times we don't combine the two. And, and this was my challenge is we don't, we don't combine the two of the mental side with the investing side. As entrepreneurs, we just want to do and we want to be busy. <clears throat> but many times we don't know why we're doing it and why we're busy. And does it even get us to where we want to go? And I, and I was that person. So I, I, I've taken it a passion to really try to help as many people as I can, um, can bring the business side into the investing side. And so that's kind of what I'm doing now. I'm still a spokesperson for the property management company that bought us. Um, so I do stuff with them. And then I do a lot of self-education and masterminds and that kind of stuff. And I still fly. The whole time I did this. I, and so that's kind of my thing is I tell people like, I don't care why you say you can't do it. I was an airline pilot. And the whole time I did this, I, I was an airline pilot. So you can do it. You just have to make a choice as to what's more important in life. And I'm not saying everyone needs to do what I did, but you, every day you make a choice of how you want to grow and your wealth and pass it on. And, you know, I think the biggest challenge we have as entrepreneurs is we don't think of generational wealth of how we're going to pass it on to not just pass on the assets, but, actually educate our children or, or whomever to want it. My, my son at 14 years old, he bought a rental property. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people ask, well, how did he do it? How, how, how? And I tell him, you're asking the wrong question. You should be asking me, why did he come to me and say, dad, I want to own a rental property? That should be the bigger question you should be asking. The how is easy. If right. you can get them to think of the why, that's, that's the, the harder part to do. And I think that that's something we can all learn as investors to try to be better at those you know, asking yourself those tough why questions. That's such a great point. You know, your son comes to you uh, or somebody comes and asks how he did it. Well, he did it like everybody else has done it. Found a property, exactly. bought it, had a tenant. I mean, you know, you can drill down on the specifics of that stuff, but the real story is there is that he's 14 and he's getting into it. I mean, that's, that's the real story. I love it. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, it's just a matter of, of, you know, the message we send, you know, I think is, I always tell people, I think as entrepreneurs, as real estate people, I think we can, you know, and I, and I say this, you know, I, I tell people to think about this before you answer. I think we can be very um, selfish because we, we, we listen to these podcast shows, we read books, we do all these things, but we don't share that information with our significant other, our spouse. And so you're the guy who goes to the seminar and you come back with these crazy ideas and they're like, oh, he must have went to a seminar again. He's got this idea. Now he's doing this. But you never, but we never take the time to actually share that with them to make sure I'm going like, you know, my goal in life is to go here. Is that, do you agree to your spouse or your children? Are we all in the same car going to the same destination? And as entrepreneurs, I think a lot of us, and, and again, I was that person where we, we tend to think like, that's on me to figure that out. Like you just let me do that. I'll figure it out and don't worry about it. Well, then when things go wrong, they're going to start asking questions and then you get upset because you're like, why are you questioning me? I'm trying to figure this out. But sometimes, you know, your, your best asset could be your spouse or significant other um, or your business partner um, because they have a lot of value, but it's that lack of communication. I think that causes a lot of problems. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. I love it. Um, I want to talk to a little bit of Steve about some of the, some of the um, being an author, you know, and, and that's kind of a, a line to cross. That's no uh, easy feat to, to, to go through the writing process, publishing, you know, marketing, all that stuff. How did that come about for you? And what was that experience like? Yeah. So um, as we were being coached uh, with, with our business coach and we were expanding, 
Uh, and I was getting on a lot of stages uh, across the country and as well as I did a couple, like I said, did a couple tours in Australia. And so I noticed that every, a lot of people were published authors and that's just, it's something that's good to have, right? So one of my business coaches, uh, we talked about it and he said, you got to become, you got to be an author. And I thought, I don't have anything to write about. And he said, Steve, everyone has a story. Just tell yours. You have a story, tell it. And so I really started thinking about it. So it took me about a year and a half, two years to write it. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, for it's, it's for as big as it is, it's not a very big book for a year and a half, uh, you would think, of my story. Um, I think he made the font a little smaller. That's, that's my there story. There you go. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but um, it's really just my story being an airline pilot and just the, the knockdowns that we had constantly getting beat up. You know, as you know, when, you, when you're in real estate and you own a business and you're managing assets for other people, it is, you know, you're dealing with so many variables when it comes to growing your business, having a profitable, you know, uh, industry, uh, profitable business, having the right margins, employees, staffing. I mean, it was everything. And, and like I said, I mean, we, we, a lot of them were firsts for us because we, we had never built a company. And, and, you know, our business coach had always told us that, hey, when you get to from 100 doors to 500 doors, it's not going to look the same. Your company is going to look different. The challenges you have at a hundred are going to be different than a thousand. And if you get to 10,000, it's going to be even more different. And he said, your job as leaders is to constantly be out in front of this thing, finding the bottlenecks for the team to make sure that you are the leader, not the doer. And that's, that's a hard transition. So a lot of that book is how me and my business partner um, who had to basically, you know, he was the integrator of the business and I was more the visionary. And so how we had to integrate and work together, um, get out of our mess of all the bad properties that we bought. And, and it's really just my story of how we evolved to where we got to. Um, and it's, it's just, like I said, it's, it's definitely not easy putting your life on paper and putting your, you know, it's, it's very, um, it's very humbling to, to, you can say your mistakes, but to actually put them in print. And, for, and it's very vulnerable when you put your mistakes out there. And I'm a, I'm a big believer. I talk about, you know, my mistakes and, and challenges and how I overcame them. Cause I think that's, that gives you the, the realness of who you are. But I think a lot of people don't do that as much as they should, because they think people want to see a certain someone. Um, and, and I don't know that I agree with that. I think it's, you know, we are who we are and, and we have to embrace that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I tell people sometimes any kind of public success you see, uh, in my own case, there's an equivalent, um, on the other side, you might hear me talk about it. You might not, but if there's, if there's a peak out there, there's an equivalent Valley every time. Absolutely. I mean, it's there. Yeah. And, and the reality is, as you know, and many of your uh, listeners, you know, the, the, the lessons are taught in the, the lows and the losses, not in the wins and on the peaks, yep. you know, and everyone will tell you, you know, when, when you have a failure, um, you're not sitting there going, oh, I wonder what the lesson is here. I just lost, you know, $100,000 on this project or something. You're not, but in hindsight, you know, when you can remove your emotions from it and maybe let it subside and really try to be analytical to go back to it, remove the emotions, um, there is a lesson there. And, and it's up to you to derive that message from there and say, okay, you know, that $100,000 could make you multi-million dollars if you learn the lesson. And, you know, I've always learned that, you know, you're only a failure if you give up. A failure is a lesson if you can get it out of there. If you, if you give up and you blame and, you know, excuse denial and you're the victim, well, then that's exactly, you got, you know, that's exactly what you got. And so you won. You still won. You just won in the wrong direction, in my opinion. 
I love it. I love it. So, so tell me more about some of the coaching that you're doing for folks uh, now. What does your life look like now? I mean, I, I, are you out there buying real estate all the time? Are you doing more coaching? What's, what's kind of, what do you like to do? And are you still a pilot today as we're talking like a commercial pilot or is that? I am, side? Yeah, really? I am still okay. a pilot. I fly, uh, I fly a 787 for United awesome. Airlines. So I, I fly um, even during the pandemic, I used to do uh, Houston to Australia uh, route. Wow. Uh, now I do more Europe because of the pandemic and stuff. But yeah, so I, I still fly full schedule. Yep. Um, I, you know, the, the, the one thing that I've gotten into with the coaching is I've always, you know, I've always just been an educator, right? You know, for whatever reason, I'm a, I'm a good communicator. And I, I think I put things into a complicated, I can take a complicated concept and put it into a simplistic term. Um, and I think the, the biggest challenge I have seen in the industry as a whole, and it may not just be real estate, it may be all industries, but the biggest challenge I've seen is that everyone's out there showing you how to do something, how to right. flip a house, how to do this, how to buy a deal, but nobody actually asks you, why are you buying this deal? Why are you, why do you think this is a good deal? And, and again, you know, if somebody would have asked me, um, you know, after property number one, Steve, why are you buying this? And I would have said, I want something, I want some passive income. I want something to appreciate in value. Um, I, I want, you know, for down the road, they would have said, well, this deal is not that deal. Right. This is a, this is a cash flow deal. This is not an appreciation deal. And so if somebody would have just asked me that question, I probably would have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars and many, many sleepless nights because it, you know, you know, as well as I do, when you buy the wrong deal, it takes three to four times the energy and sometimes the cost to get out of that bad deal. And the one thing people don't think about, which I do, is the mental stress and strain that not only you put on yourself, but the whole family endures. Right. And, you know, a lot of times, and we, we, we let it weigh heavily on ourselves. Like when I was doing this, I was bound and determined to fix the situation, but I was actually going the wrong way still. And so what, a lot of times what we do as entrepreneurs is we, we get the deal. Then we figure out, huh, I wonder, is this, what do I do with this deal? Is this a short term? Is this a long term? Is this a, you know, if it's a single family house, is this an Airbnb? So that's, that's the strategy. And they never even ask if it should, if it's getting them to where they want to go. I've learned and that I did this is, you know, we do it backwards. The first thing we should do, whenever anybody wants to get involved in investing, the first thing I ask them is why? Tell me why, what, what do you want your life to look out of it? And they go, well, you know, I was coaching someone yesterday and they said, uh, they said, I wanna have the cash flow to do what I wanna do. And I said, okay, well, what, what is that number? And he's like, I don't know. And I said, so is it the cash flow or is it the lifestyle you wanna have? Because you can make a dollar and that's cash flow. You can have a job. And I said, so it's not actually the cash flow, it's the perception of what the cash flow is going to give you. You want a lifestyle. so. Be careful chasing a cash flow, thinking it's going to give you something else. Because if you're chasing cash flow, that's what you'll get. That's not going to mean you're going to be happy and fulfilled. And so it's really a matter of breaking down what does that look like. So the way I describe it to people is if you want to go to Disneyland and you say, this is my life, this is how I envision it. And, you know, whatever that may be for you, whether it's 20000 a month in passive income, whether it's, you know, 20 properties, whatever the case may be. And then I say, okay, now we know where we're going. We have a deadline we have a destination. We know what it looks like. We can quantify it in that number. Now we have to build the strategy. So if we're going to Disneyland, the strategy is the freeways we're going to take. So if you get to LAX, you say, okay, I'm going to take the 405 to the 91 to the five freeway and I'm going to exit Disneyland drive. That's the strategy. 
So you may say, okay, I'm going to buy three single family houses. I'm going to flip the fourth. Then I'm going to take all that money. I'm going to roll that into a 1031 and buy an apartment complex. What that's, so those are, that's the route that you're going to take. Right. The last piece of the puzzle, once you know all that and you go, okay, this makes sense. I, I see it. I see the end of it. I can make that work because like, for example, when you're driving down the road and if you pulled over and said, Hey, Steve, can I get you, can I get some directions? What's the first thing I'm going to ask you? Where to? Where are you going? Where, Where are you going? going? And if you're like, I have no idea. I'm just driving. I'm going to go, well, then I can't help you. And so when you say it like that, it's like common sense. But when you think about real estate, how many people come to you and they say, Hey, is this a good deal? It's like, I don't know. I, I don't know what a good deal is to you. What, you know, which way are you going? Where's your destination? And then the last piece of the puzzle is actually the tactic. And so the tactic is the, is the vehicle, meaning is it a house, a single family? It, what is it? And so the way, again, just to make it sound so simplistic, I say, if you got to LAX and you jumped on a snowmobile and tried driving down the 405 freeway, it would take you about two seconds to realize you have the wrong vehicle. Right. No matter how hard you tried, no matter how many hours you worked or pushed or screamed, you're not going anywhere. So think about that when you're buying real estate. Are you buying the right tactic to get you in the right freeway to get you to the right destination? And many times we don't do that. We just say, I bought a deal, right? How many people, they, as entrepreneurs, we just want to get a deal. And it's like, I'll figure it out as I go. Well, that's like packing your parachute after you've jumped. It's probably not going to end very well, right? It's just going to take you to the crash site quicker. Um, and so a lot of times that's what we do in real estate. We just, we, we want to get so busy. And so I tell people, you've got to sharpen that mental ax before you do anything. First of all, is your wife on board? Have you had that discussion with the alignment of the wife or the business partner saying, okay, this is where we're going. This is best case scenario. This is worst case scenario, because we all know we try to sell best case scenario. Like this is going to be great, passive, no problem. And then when it doesn't happen, now, now we've got to grovel and back crawl on that. So I tell them, look, you got to say best case, you got to say worst case. And you got to say, you know what? This is where I think we'll be realistically. Yep. Here's the risks. Here's the rewards. You know, we could lose everything. That is a pot. That is a realistic possibility. We could lose everything we invest. We could be sued. We, you know, so I think it's important, you know, it's also important to, to, to discuss people's fears because people make decisions on past transactions on past emotions and they carry those forward to future thought. And so I think you have to, you know, again, especially with your spouse and your children, I think it's important to have that alignment. Um, and so I, I train people on how to have these conversations, especially, you know, a lot of people get into business with business partners. I talk to people and they say, yeah, I'm going into, I'm going to partnership with my friend. I'm like, okay, well, what, what, are, what do they bring to the table? Well, we're both hard workers. Okay. That just means you guys are both going to fail that much faster. Like it's <laughs> like two losers in a race. I mean, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Like you, you know, everybody has to bring something to the table and they're like, oh, well, you know, and, and the one thing I always ask people is, have you talked about the divorce? And they're like, what do you mean? I go, well, if, and when this business partnership dissolves, who gets the assets? What happens when you have to divorce? Oh, we're best friends. That will never happen. Right. I'm like, that's exactly why you have to have the conversation because, yeah. you know, contract saves relationships. And if you can't have that, if you can't have that conversation with your best friend, with your cousin, with your brother-in-law now, how's it going to be when you have a cash call and you need $50,000 to fix a situation and they're going, I don't have that kind of money. And yeah. I go, you think it's, you think when there's no emotions at play, it's hard. Try putting emotions involved and a time limit crunch on it. And without the proper expectations of having that right alignment meeting, it's, it's just, it's going to implode and you're going to lose that friend or that family member and it's not worth it. So 
have the con and if you can't come up with an agreement, then that's a sign. And so these are the, so to answer your question, this is what I train people on because I think that that is more important than the actual ability to buy the asset. Cause like you said, buying the asset, you throw money and it's easy. I'm, um, so to answer your question, what I'm doing now is um, I still have some, some real estate. I probably have about a dozen properties here in Houston, kind of buy and sell stuff. Um, I'm also getting into more hands off. Like I'm in a big mobile home park fund. Um, I just put money in that deal. Um, I am in, I'm about to get into a big uh, self storage deal um, in Kansas city. So I'm kind of trying to let my money work for me. I do a little bit of hard money lending for people, um, you know, on deals. I'm trying to, I, maybe because I'm older or I'm lazier, I don't know. So I, I kind of try to use my skill set to help bring that to the table if they want it um, or bring my money. It's like, I'll give you money or my time. I'm not giving both. So if you want right. my time, I'll give you my time and I'll help you and you can give me a part of the deal or a percentage. If you want my money, I'll give you my money and we can do that too. So I, I try to look at it from that angle and that, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I think that's, I kind of tell people that's where we all want to end up, right? We want our money working for us. And there's kind of a labor and capital continuum. And in the beginning, you're sure. kind of short on capital and do all the work. But as you go down the continuum, kind of get away from more of the labor side. And at some point, you know, you might end up all capital. You just got money working for you and, and growing, which is a pretty, uh, pretty sweet place to end up. Yeah. And I, and the, the thing I just finished is uh, I'm actually, uh, I, I finished some, some professional production video uh, that's going to be coming out. It's a, um, I, I have a free mastermind that I do every week and I bring on experts that I know. Um, I do it all free. And I, I talk a lot on mindset on there too. And so I just, I talk about the things that people don't think about. And so I do that every Monday. Um, and I've also got some educational video content that's coming out. Um, that's going to be uh, very high level production stuff, kind of a, a Grant Cardone, Tony Robbins type level uh, platform. And it's going to give people, it's going to show people how to go from zero properties to 20 properties and all the things of understanding where's their time being used, how to be a leader, not a manager, how to have that alignment questions, you know, the, the negative self-talk that we all do. So I go through a lot of that stuff in the course Again, I'm not showing you how, what price per square foot should be. That's not my specialty. Right. My specialty is to get you to think differently. So it's kind of the, well, everyone teaches the how, I teach the why. And so that, that should be coming out the first of the year. It's in post-production right now. But that's, I love it. What, what is, yeah. uh, if folks want to find out about the mastermind, what's, what is it called and where can they go? Yeah, it's called Think Tank Mastermind. Uh, they can go to my website, steverosenberg.com, and they can sign up there. Again, they just fill out the sheet and they will get an invite. And I mean, I have... I have a lot of people on bigger pockets on there. I have a lot of guests. I mean, I have a buddy of mine that had 1,200 units uh, and now he owns 35 houses. So he went the other way. And <laughs> yeah. so, well, his here story, how he simplified his life. And again, it's just, I get, I get a lot of people on with different, you know, systemization people talking about how they systemize. And I just get different people to come in to talk about their, their focus and their specialty. And again, I'm just educating. I don't want to sell anything. I just want to help people. And if I can help people, because nobody was there to help me um, mm -hmm. when I first got started. So I think if I can help other people, then I've done my job. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. We'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. And I want, before we wrap up, Steve, um, what is the name of the book? If folks want to go find that on Amazon. Yeah. The name of the book is building an empire, um, failing our way to millions. That's the book. And love you it. can go, if you go to my website, you can find it there. So it's on Amazon. Um, and, and yeah, it's like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's my story and it's, 
it's not glamorous. It's I'm like everyone else. I'm out there grinding it. And I tell people, listen, I'm, I'm nothing special. I'm just like everybody. I, I still have a career. I still do this. And people are like, how do you do it? You know, it's funny. Uh, the one thing I'll, I'll, you know, kind of as a, as a lead is a lot of people tell me, they're like, you know, how do you balance your life? Cause I'm, I'm married. I've got, you know, happy family, wife, son. Um, I work out. I I've got these other businesses and they're like, how do you do it? How do you balance? I don't believe in the word balance. I don't think that's, I don't think that's true. I think that's what losers tell themselves to, to not do things. I think you have to be focused and intentional in one thing. Like when I'm at the gym, I'm not thinking about real estate. I'm thinking about the gym. When I'm doing real estate, I'm not thinking about the gym. So, you know, it's like you have to be focused and intentional, but you, have, you also have to learn how to pivot. And if it means I have to get up at two in the morning to do it, I get up at two in the morning. And so I tell people, Every day you have a choice. You have a choice to be as good as you want to be or as bad as you want to be every single day. And so you can't live your life based on what you did yesterday or what you did tomorrow. It's what you're going to do today. And so I tell people like, you can get up earlier. You can work out. You choose not to. So don't say you can't do it. Just say, I don't want to do it because that's more realistic and more fair than saying like, you know, people that want to get in multifamily, they want to get in houses. I don't have this. I don't have that. Just say you don't want to do it. Don't right. tell me all the reasons because there's just as many people that are doing it right now that are countering what you don't do. And again, just be honest with yourself. And, and if you want to do it, then say, I don't know how to do it. Can you show me? And, and I think that a lot of people, I help people all the time. I mean, my, my Instagram, all that stuff is nonstop. And I tell people like, just ask me, I'll give you my time. I don't, I don't need to charge you for my time. If you ask me a question, most people don't. Most, some people that do, they get a ton of information. They're like, wow, that was awesome. All you gotta do is ask. And so a lot of times that, that's kind of what I would say is make some decisions, but, but ask. And you'd be surprised at how many people will give you their time. I love it. I love it. Steve Rosenberg, this is incredibly inspiring. I think especially to somebody that's maybe looking to get into this and grow their business. I highly recommend you guys listening, reach out. Um, we're going to link in the show notes to, to the site and the mastermind, but um, this is awesome, man. Steve, thank you very much for, for sharing your story. This is great. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. All righty. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.